Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are doing a study on spiritual warfare. And we're finally getting to the armor of God. I want to begin in verse 10, because that's where the thought begins. But our focus today will be on verse 14. Looking at the first piece of armor, which I have called the belt of truth. So beginning in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul again is writing here to the Ephesian church and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, this is an opening statement that he is going to explain how we can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Do you understand? It actually serves to do two things. Number one, we are told that we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, not our own strength. Number two, He's going to tell us how we can do that. Do you understand? Alright, and so He goes on to say, He says, put on the whole armor of God. So He says, this is how you are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You put on His armor. Amen? And he says here, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, that's the schemes, the devices, and all those things of the devil. In verse 12 he says, he starts to explain and he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, you know, we really need to look at all of this with the eye of reality rather than just fiction. You know, if we were to really consider what he has just told us, it would be fairly scary. You know, he is talking about all kinds of demonic operations and demonic influences and demons themselves, <laughs> okay? Beings that are real, that exist outside of our contact. In a realm that is invisible, but yet has such a great effect on us. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like we can't touch them, but they can just absolutely take us out. Which is where the human race is right now. Which is why Jesus came. Which is why we need to get born again. So that we could transfer into that kingdom. And then have an advantage over all those things that have been having an advantage over us. Somebody say amen to that. You need to understand what happened. You see, we couldn't take on that realm. All these principalities and powers and rulers and all of that stuff. If we weren't seated together in heavenly places, the other realm. Did you get that? That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to be born again, because your fight isn't here. Your fight is elsewhere. Your enemy is elsewhere. And the Apostle Paul is bringing the reality of that out now. Do you get this? Are you seeing this? That's the reason why, you know, the worst thing you can do is react physically to something that has come about as a result of something spiritual. Can I say that again? Be careful that you are not reacting to the effect of something and allowing the cause to continue. You need to go to the cause and shut it down. And then the effect will disappear. 
And, you know, we tend to like to deal with the effect more than the cause. Because we like to push people's faces in, so to speak. Tell them off, you know, and, and just, just, you know, your flesh just feels good. Somebody insults you and you tell them off and you just cut them down. And everybody goes, yeah, baby, about time somebody did something about that. Hello. Not saying that, you know, you don't need to do some things, but I'm just saying, we just take too much pleasure in that. And the thing that caused it continues to roam free. And in a sense, it has accomplished its goal. Its goal is to destroy mankind. So if you can get somebody stupid enough to do something to you, that then you retaliate against, he has hurt both of you now. He got this person to say something dumb, and then you to say something smart back that just cut them down, you know. And by doing that, you have just sinned as well. So everybody's sinned now. And while you think you've gained a victory, the only thing that has won here is the devil. Is this too hard? This is too much for you today. Okay, let us continue. To the fluffy message. No. <laughs> Sorry, there isn't one. You can leave. <laughs> no, listen. Listen. You know, let me balance this out as well and say this. There are times when you need to stand up and you need to say something. But be careful what your heart is when you say what you say. You need to see the person attacking you as a victim. Because they are going to reap what they sow. They think they're hurting you and getting away with it. What they're doing is sowing very bad seed. They are touching God's anointed as well. So they have a double harvest coming. Not only judgment, but a harvest of what they're planting as well. Are you all with me? So we, you know, we need to begin to understand that we are in a very lofty position. Seated with Christ. Ambassadors of God. His kids. Daddy's very protective. That's why Jesus had to say, uh, Father, don't kill them all. Forgive them. You, they don't know what they're doing, man. They're stupid. Okay? <laughs> you know? If Jesus led the way, He could have just said, You know what, God? Take them out! Yeah, they don't deserve to be saved. Let's just kill them all and start again. You know, kill everybody. Who's to say you did the wrong thing? There's nobody there to argue. <laughs> There's only objection if somebody's still breathing. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's continue. That's very bad. All right, so, <laughs> you know, God, man, He's God. He can just wipe everything out. The devil and all, He can just wipe everybody out and start again. All right, verse 13. But you know what? God so loved. Instead of taking the easy option, He went the hard way. And He's asking us to do the same. Amen. Amen. All right, verse 13. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. See, because you've got all of this coming against you, he says, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now, notice that there is an evil day. Now, I was preaching this before, and in, in retrospect, now I would just want to just adjust it just a little bit, to say this. I made mention of the fact that, you know, ever since the fall, every day basically has been evil. 
And that's true, okay? We, we are not living in paradise anymore. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> All right. So in a sense, every day is evil. That's true. But I also want you to understand something. This evil day could also mean those days that just go wrong. That evil day that comes along when you least expect it. You know, everything is going well and then suddenly everything goes wrong. There, there are those days. And you know, we need to be careful that we're, we're not living a life... You know, like the guy that comes back from a war and he's always looking over his shoulder and jumps at every noise. We can't live our life like that. Freaking out every two seconds. Okay? We need to understand that there is a rest as well. Are you all here? But we also need to understand that when something does come along, we need to engage in battle. We can't go and hide. We can't stick our head in the sand. We can't get in the bed and pull the covers over our head. And like one guy did, you know, when the war started. And stayed in bed for I don't know how many years. I mean, in bed. The guy was funny in the head. You know, <laughs> some Christians do that in the spirit. They just freak out and run and hide. They just don't want to acknowledge anything. But this tells us, don't do that. You need your armor. And remember again, this armor needs to be on you. We put it on, we keep it on. Amen? Alright. Having said all of that, let's get to it now. So he goes on to say, in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So we're going to deal with this first. There's, a, there's another part to that verse, but I want to stop at truth. Okay, we'll deal with the breastplate next time. Now, Let's look at this first piece of armor. There are some things that I want to point out to you as well. Peter T. O'Brien writes this. He says, When believers have made all the necessary preparations for the battle, and I'm going to explain what he means there, then they are to stand firm. This exhortation, which has been mentioned three times before, once in verse 11 and twice in verse 13, is repeated, but this time it is expressed as an imperative. It is the chief admonition of the passage. Okay? When he says, stand therefore, that means don't give up. <laughs> don't back off. Alright? All of this is so you stand. We need to stand and fight. Okay? Not cower and run. Okay? Alright. And he says again, it is the chief admonition of the passage, and in light of the battle imagery used throughout, points to the stance of a soldier in combat. Did you get that? One who resolutely opposes the enemy. Face like flint, you know? It's like, do you really want to mess with this? That's what your face says. Are you really tired of living? Do you really want this to be your last day? We usually have the exact opposite. We're usually going, oh my God, this might be my last day. And, oh, I can just see the angels. Doing a Mr. Piggott, you know. <laughs> yeah, slap their foreheads. Like, what is this? More than conquerors. Born of God. World overcomers and they're running. The Creator's kids are running from His creation. The angels are creation. You are the Creator's kids. For you, all things are possible. I don't know if it's possible for them. <laughs> are you getting this? For us it is. Why aren't we doing anything with it? Because we haven't learned. That's why you're here. Okay, not just to have a little religious experience on Sunday. 
do your penance to God and go, okay, I went to church, you know, please let me have a good week now. <laughs> okay? That's not why you're here. If you want to do that, go somewhere else. You are here to learn. You are here to grow. Just like what the Apostle Paul says, and we're going to look at that as well, in Romans chapter 12, to be renewed and be transformed. Family, we need to be transformed. We can't remain the way we are. Do you know what transformation is? It's a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Not a caterpillar going and, and learning how to fly and making, you know, a little, a little wings and, and jumping off a cliff and going, Wee! Ah, nuts! <laughs> okay? Or none of those things and putting a jet engine on it next time. And, no! Okay? See, the caterpillar, is sti- you push him off without any of that stuff and it will still die. It will fall and die. But as a butterfly, it's a different creature. Caterpillar comes to the end of a cliff and that's the end for him. A butterfly goes, no problem, I'll just keep going. We are to mount up on wings like eagles. Amen? Not run around like turkeys, you know? Amen? Okay. Don't follow the world. Alright, back to this. But this is only possible if the first three pieces of armor have already been put on. And therefore are already in operation. And I want you to notice this. Why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. You may have never seen this before. But I want to point this out to you. Notice the difference between the first three pieces of armor and the last three pieces of armor. The first three pieces of armor, notice the Apostle Paul says, Stand therefore, having, past tense, girded your weights with truth, having, past tense, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having, past tense, showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And it is only after these first three pieces of armor are on, does he go on to tell us then, to take the other three pieces of armor. And above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation. And can I add, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But notice the first three, you already need to have on. Did you notice that? You go into this fight with three things already on. Don't be dressing before you go in. (laughs) Okay? All right. There are three things that you already need to have on. Which means, right now, what I'm doing is equipping you with those things. You need to already know those things before you can take other things. So, let's begin by looking at the first of the three pieces of armor that we are to already have on. And which helps us to take an uncompromising stand against the enemy. And again, which I have decided to call the belt of truth. Now, in his commentary, R. Kent Hughes explains, When a soldier tightened his belt, he was ready for combat. Okay? Because in the process of tightening, he drew his tunic and cinched it so that it could not impede him as he charged into the battle. Let me explain that. What happened is, cinch means that they would take it, bunch it all up and tuck it in. Okay? Because you want to be fighting and your skirt's getting in the way. You know them Roman fellows, they wore skirts. Okay? <laughs> Alright? And you know, you can just, you know, even just fighting and his skirts getting in there and it's like, Oh dear Jesus, one second please. 
Okay, <laughs> all right? So without going through all of that, they just whooped it together. Shout, it's like them Sri Lankans, you know? <laughs> you know, we used to wear sarongs, and some days they put it up too high. Anyway, <laughs> a bit lower, a bit lower, you know? Low-hanging fruit, bro. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, it's true, but... <laughs> so, what they would do... Sorry, but I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Anyway, so what they would do is they would get their little tunic, okay, they would pull it together, tuck it in. And this is one of the functions of the belt, so that you could tuck stuff into it. Amen? And so it allowed you to secure things and, and get you to a place where you weren't hindered in your battle. Now we are going to see how not having truth can really hinder you. All right? I told you, I don't want to race through this because if we don't get a hold of what this is saying, we are going to be careless how we approach our enemy, how we approach Satan, how we approach demons, and we are not going to have the success that we are looking for. So we need to know this. Okay? Alright. So let's continue here. It also firmly fixed his sword in place. And in fact, his belt held everything in place. Without it, he would be powerless in battle. So it is the thing that you also stuck your sword in. Okay? So it was a tool belt, and it was also something that could secure your garments as well. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to bring out here. And that is, truth holds the spiritual armor in place. And safeguards against deadly entanglements. Now, as to the kind of truth that is being referred to here, there are two distinct schools of thought. Some believe that it is referring to the truth of God's Word. Others believe it is referring to honesty and sincerity. In the past, I had gone with the second one because so many had been very convincing. But in recent times, I've realized that it is both. You can't have honesty and truth without the Word. It is God's Word in you that drives you towards honesty and truthfulness. And besides that, God's Word is truth. And so let's look at both. I believe they're both right. Okay? And I think rather than divide, let's just take them both. Why draw lines when you can draw circles? Okay? Let's just take it all in. Include the whole lot. Okay? Amen. Alright. So, let's begin in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, I'm looking at verses 31 and 32, with regard to truth being God's Word. Okay? So let's begin there. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus said there, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice the connection. If you abide in my word... He says, you're my disciples and the truth. Abiding in God's word opens door to the truth. And it is that truth that sets you free. In fact, it makes you free. That is very important. Because <laughs> there are some things that don't want you to be free. And that truth makes you free. It doesn't matter what opposition it has. It will make you free. It will release you from bondage to where you go, Oh, hallelujah, it's like a weight just got lifted off me. The truth has made you free. Amen? 
All right. Later on in John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus would also say, He was praying over His disciples. And He says to the Father, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen? So we see here the connection again between God's word and truth. You can't have one without the other. Amen. And from John chapter 8, we know that without a proper knowledge of, and can I add, rightly dividing the truth of God's word, and having that anchoring us, one of the things that the devil can do is brought out in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, where the Apostle Paul then says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Let me just stop here for a minute. Because we, we didn't need to look at this. In fact, you know, I want to add one more scripture to this, if you allow me to. Uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. I want to join these two and share this with you, okay? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 as well. The Apostle Paul again is writing, this time to his protege, Timothy. He says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from what we believe. Alright? Or turn away from the truth. They will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. Alright? So can I join these two together? And I want to look at truth against the trickery of men, every wind of doctrine, cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, Lying spirits, teachings that come from demons. All of those things. Okay, because one of the things that I have noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that is actually coming against the Word of God, truth. They're like alternate truths. And they are promising all kinds of power and all kinds of mystical this and that. And basically saying, you know, that stuff that you guys know, that's not just very powerful. If you really want some power, and if you really want to know the secrets of life, then come here and do this and follow that. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, they come in the form of cults and all sorts of things. And even in a lot of movies now, they're starting to just work their way in. And it's all in opposition to the truth. Not a truth, the truth. You need to get that. Because if we're not careful, and, and if we don't open this up, and if we don't show God's word for what it really is, the power that it promises... See, everything that the enemy can do is only twist what is already there. And offer less than the best. So no matter what he comes up with, and no matter how much he promises, he is limited, God is limitless. His power can only go so far, God is omnipotent, and omni all those other things. It's a lot of omnis. Okay? <laughs> Means he's, he's just, he is all powerful. And there is no measure of his power. But we can measure the enemy's power. And you know, sometimes we measure it and say, you know, they're as strong as this, as strong as that. But with God, you can't measure his power. There's no measuring stick that is big enough. Now, that is the power that we have come into. That is to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. 
as opposed to all this other stuff that says, Woo, we're powerful and we can do spells and we can change this and do that. <laughs> all I have to say about that is, I don't want to do it, it's a raspberry, okay? <laughs> I did it, I spat in my mic. <laughs> okay? That is ridiculous compared to God. But can I just say this? Do you know why that other stuff is coming up? Because we haven't had the truth. Our belt has fallen off somewhere along the way. We're running around without a belt. <laughs> okay? And the one we have looks more like a string than a belt. It is so ridiculous. Amen. I'm just telling you, man. You know, while the devil is going around showing his belt, we, we, you know, we got this anemic little thing around our waist. And we go, yeah, but we know the truth. Are you all here? Alright? I started to say something, and let me complete this thought. One of the things that Satan has done very effectively is attack the leadership in the church. And got them to preach far below what actually exists. So they preach all these mealy little sermons and their truth is, oh, you know, we know that Jesus died for us and that's the truth. It is the truth. But there was so much to his death and so much to what he bought as a result of his death. So much was open to us. And we haven't been introduced to any of those things. We just want to keep going you know, down that salvation road. And again, we, need, we want to get everybody saved, but we're doing it wrong. The emphasis is all wrong. And you know, what we're doing is we're basically saying, get saved, come in, and suffer for Jesus. And then die. At least you're going to heaven. Oh, that's so tempting. Where do I sign? Only if you're stupid. <laughs> okay. I think it must frustrate God. How far below? Can you imagine? Okay, can, can, let's take a trip in our imagination for just a moment. I have three minutes. Let me just do what I can, okay? We obviously have to come back and continue on with this. Can you take a trip with me? Okay. All right. I want you to go to heaven right now. I want you to see yourself standing before the throne of God. I want you to look around that throne and notice that all the angels are on the ground. They can't stand in the presence. There's one guy standing, his name is Gabriel. He's still standing. It's a little hard, but he's standing. Okay. Now, that kind of power is emanating. Now we know how powerful the angels are. Above the throne of God, there are these seraphim. They are like flashes of lightning. They are red in color, by the way, and they are God's air force. They are up there all the time. They are continually flying. They don't get tired. They don't have to take a tea break. They are not on government wages. Okay. <laughs> they are up there, and they are guarding the throne above. Okay. Down the bottom, there is cherubim. One of them rebelled, called Lucifer. But there's only one. There's, as much as he wants to roar and carry on, <laughs> there's all of them. And none of the ones that were around the throne of God defected. You know, if I was God, I'd keep the good ones there. So needless to say, you know, that cherubim. <laughs> Whatever. Okay? Come up to one of God's cherubim, wipe him out. Are you all here? 
You know, we, we miss so many things. But anyway, so here they are, these, these incredible creatures. There is this energy and power flowing out of God that is keeping all of life existing. Now you miss me. Again, the power that is emanating from God is keeping all life in existence. Every planet, every star, everything is being given life by Him. If God ever died, can I just say this? Can we just turn it off for a minute? If, if God ever died, everything in this universe would just crumble and come to nothing. It wouldn't be able to stay sustained. All things are upheld by the word of His power. He speaks and that word is still keeping everything going. So there is that kind of power emanating from the throne. And it is not only for one dimension. Do you believe in multiple dimensions? Well, I know of two already. I know of a spiritual dimension and I know of a physical dimension. I don't know how many all there is. I don't think the other ones are populated yet. I think this is the first one after the spiritual dimension. Alright, that was populated. I know we like to go in our minds and create all these alternate dimensions and populate them. I honestly don't believe. This is a very young universe. And I believe that, honestly, with all my heart, I believe we're the first. We are the aliens that are going to be visiting somebody else's planet one day. There ain't anybody else out there to come and see us. We're it. We're the first ones. We like to think we're not, but why? Why do you want to be, put yourself in that place? What is wrong with people? You don't want to say they came from a monkey and that they're so far behind, there's other races ahead of us. What is wrong with us? Unsanctified thinking, alright? Okay. Anyway, back to this. Understand something. The power that emanates out of that throne room, the power of God is unbelievable. Okay? And it is keeping everything to the uttermost ends of the universe and the, a universe that is constantly expanding. Keeping it all alive. Now, measure that against an angel. Uh, Lucifer isn't a god, he's just an angel. Do you all understand? Okay, all of those that work for him are only angels as well. They're in the angelic class. You're following me, alright? So God does something very interesting. See, they don't have a defense against the Godhead. They just have no defense against that. How can you defend against something that keeps everything alive? I know I've run out of time. Okay, <laughs> just give me a minute. Alright, how can you defend? If you take that down, your life ends. Do you understand that? That's the stupidity of him trying to usurp his authority and take over the throne of God. If he ever did, he would die. Okay? Alright, now... That immense power, which has no defense. Like, there's no defense against that power. There just isn't. Okay? Decides that He is going to come down here. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Especially on the mountaintop. When He stood there and shone like the sun. And everybody was like, whoa, what is this? That's your future. That's who you are meant to be. And because we had fallen so far down, we had to be reinstated. The cross was about reinstating us. The forgiveness was needed so that we could be reinstated. We couldn't be reinstated without being forgiven. Do you understand? What we're asking people to do is not 
get saved so that they could live this life that is just constantly being bombarded, overtaken, overrun by anything and everything that comes along. It is meant to be a part of that life that is in heaven now being put down here in the earth so that everything that went wrong could be fixed so that this whole earth will shift back to paradise and we do enough so that the devil just gets tired and just goes I can't do anything with this can't wait for the rapture because these people are messing everything up <laughs> it'll be a day for him to rejoice not us rejoicing we'll be, we'll be going no don't take us yet we got a few more demons, a few more heads to roll. God's going, come on man, now, just leave it, okay? Just, <laughs> that's enough now, come on. <laughs> that should be what happens. Not everybody going, oh God, hurry up and take me. Oh, just go. <laughs> that's what they did in Judges, and we'll look at that too. Gideon's army. Everybody afraid, go home. Two-thirds went home. <laughs> But Bill, you know, <laughs> hello. Hmm? Amen. I have run out of time. I've got to stop here. Can I just say this? The truth is that God, His Word, is able to bring you to a place where there is no equal, where demons have to flee, where all of these principalities and powers all have to bow their knee. We're not there yet. And we must not be seduced by the garbage that is out there that promises all sorts of things. But can I say this? It's always less than what is available in God. And we are going to learn about that, grow in that, and have Jesus pleased with the result of His horrific death and the payment that He made on the cross. I need him and I want him to say it was worth it. Look at them, Father. Amen? Amen. That's the truth and part of it. This will continue next week. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word and we thank you, Father, for all the things that we are learning. And we thank you, Lord, that we want to go to another level in all of this. It's time we, we just stopped playing church and we became those sons and daughters that you so need us to be, dispensers of your power and your grace and your mercy and your strength, doing what Jesus did, destroying the works of the enemy. I mean destroying them where they can never be resurrected. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Father, that that can only come as we grow in the truth, the knowledge of your word, and walk in that truth and be that truth to everybody around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.